Hey guys, Mark Kaler here, uh, Galley Stories, Stories of the Bering Sea and Beyond. Uh, real quick, before we release this next video, uh, we recorded this one a, a few weeks ago with Captain Kari, but I wanted to let you know that the ALS fundraiser we've been talking about on the last several episodes, we actually have a date for it now. It's going to be on May 15th. Uh, the festivities will be lasting from 4 to 10 p.m. 4 to 8 will be uh, the actual fundraiser, and then 8 to 10 we'll actually have a live band uh, performing. This will all take place at Bad Jimmy's Brewing Company uh, there on Leary Way in Ballard. And uh, also, uh, we've got a commitment from uh, Trident Seafoods to send their uh, Fork and Fin food truck. It's uh, all Alaska Wild Pollock. Not only are they sending it there, guys, but they're going to donate 100% of all sales directly to the ALS Fund in Pat Dwyer's name. So uh, be looking forward to that one and also our live broadcast that day. That's a bit of a surprise coming up. So we'll have a live broadcast that day at 3 p.m., uh, you can find us on Facebook for that, so go ahead and get that follow in. And if you or your company would like to be involved also in the ALS event, uh, go ahead and shoot us an email at mark at Without further ado, here is that episode for you. Hello guys, and welcome back to another installment of Galley Stories, Stories of the Bering Sea and Beyond. I am your host, Mark Kaler. And today we have Captain Kari Toivola. Toivola. Thank you. I'm going to get this at some point. Who, uh, who has got quite, quite a life experience to talk, talk to us about. So uh, welcome, Kari. Well, thank you very much. Glad to be here. Welcome to the Gale on a beautiful sunny day. Beautiful in... sunny day. The sun yeah. feels great. Yeah. So uh, let's just start right from the beginning. Uh, where were you born and what got you into the industry? Well, I was uh, born in Windsor, Ontario. My uh, folks immigrated from Finland uh, in the early 50s, and that's where they first went to Windsor, Windsor Ontario, Canada. And moved out to Seattle when I was I was still wearing diapers, you know, like a year and a half, two years old. Mm -hmm. We moved out to Seattle and uh, settled in Ballard. So I grew up in the mean streets of Ballard. Right here. Right here, yes. And what year would that have been? Oh, uh, we moved here in the year of the World's Fair. So that was '62. '62, yeah, okay. So about '82 was the peak, and you were you were right downtown here and. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. So you got some stories on that for us, but let's let's first start with your introduction into how you got into the fishing industry, or did that come later? Well, that came later. Uh, you know, growing up in Ballard, you know, especially during the '70s when I went to high school at Ingram High School, and, uh, we would hear the stories, you know, of the king crabbers, especially then, and uh, it kind of sounded appealing. So, which part, the crabbing or the money? Uh, <laughs> probably both. The lifestyle, you know, it sounded like an adventure, so, mm -hmm. you know, I didn't know anything about it. Sure. And uh, after high school, I was uh, going to community college, not really sure what I was going to do. We're taking some classes there, and the opportunity came about through uh, acquaintance of my parents. To, uh, I got a job on a old salmon packer heading up to uh, southeast Alaska, so that was my start. It was a... Uh, Boy, the boat was built in 1919. What vessel was that? It was called the uh, Leconte. How big was she? It was like a 78 foot by you know, like 13, 14 wide. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Old, uh, I, I believe it was originally a trap tender, you know, built back in the day when the salmon traps were going. And what was your responsibility on there? Oh, I was the deckhand. I was the gopher. Uh, uh -huh. It was it was a it was a good start I guess. It got okay. me in the and, and where were where were they fishing at? We were uh, in southeast Alaska working out of Petersburg, and the majority of our summer we spent 
our run was to go uh, down to the Tree Point area, the south end of that, near near the Canadian border in southeast Alaska, and uh, buying gillnet fish, and then transporting them back to Petersburg. It was about an eighteen-hour so, run. So I you think. were literally just packing the fish, just like a tender. We today. were a tender, yep, yes. Yep. And so, how long did you do that? Uh, for that nineteen seventy-eight, the first year we did that, and it was an all right job, but well, let's just. Every now and then the captain was sober, if you know what I mean. <laughs> oh, okay. So that was back in the day, though. That I mean, was that back wasn't... in the day, yeah. And that's that's kind of how I learned to drive a boat. I mean, he was he I mean, he go take a nap. Well, no, he'd be staggering around. <laughs> Somebody <laughs> had to drive. But but through that experience and, and hanging out in Petersburg, uh, I met the uh, a gentleman. Early Hansen was his name. He was the captain of the Viking Queen, a boat owned by. Uh, he was the summer captain for tender. He was a crab boat. Salmon, herring, packer, cannery owned boat. And he was the captain of that. So Wait, he, and this is a different Viking Queen this, than this, Kari Nassi. Yes, a different one. This was built here at Packfish, uh, late 60, 68, I guess. How big was she? Uh, 110 foot. Okay. Yeah. And steel so design? Steel design, you know, a modern state of the art crab boat com mm -hmm. compared to the 80 year old Woody I started on. It was, it, was, it was a different experience. So though. moved over there at what age? I would have been like 20. Okay. Started on there. And did that for, boy, man, I think I ended up totally eight years on there. In between, I would be on there for tendering and the boat went crabbing. And in those days, you didn't just get a crab job, not on a boat like that. So the crab crew would come on and I'd go do whatever. But what was whatever? Was well, that just a couple back in years I, I got on another tender in the fall up in the southeast, you know. And then uh, I think it was, I think it was 1981. I, I got a job on a different boat to go king crab. I went tendering on the Viking Queen, and I went. Uh, I got a king crab job on a boat called the Brittany. The Brittany. Yes. She's a tender a, nowadays. It's a tender nowadays. Yes. It's it was an 80 footer then. It's been lengthened since. And, mm -hmm. and uh, so I finally got my job on the king crabber. Well, that just happened to be the year of the king crab crash. So, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. And uh, the year before, it was something like that boat. The season started, they, it was either 14 hours or 18 hours or something like that. They filled the boat. Oh, right. Yeah. It was, you know, and then they'd go wait to offload. Well, the year of the King Crab crash, we were probably out there for a week and a half, scratching, maybe had a half a boatload, went in, and, it, and then it got worse. <laughs> it just, mm -hmm. and uh, not only did we do the Bristol Bay Red Crab, I, I didn't know any better, so uh, I kept on it. We went up to the Pribilofs, did Red Crab. I don't know if we caught any crab there. Yeah. And if that didn't wasn't bad enough, I went out to Adak on the same oh boat that fall. Oh, my goodness. And, yeah. yeah, we proceeded to not care. It was... It was uh, so you were probably 28 then, because you went No, on. I was... That was... I was 22. I was 19. I was oh, 22 I, years see, old. I was thinking you did eight years on the Viking. No, no, this was a side job. Oh, okay. Okay, little uh, filler. So, yeah, I did that. And I think we left. King Crab was earlier then, so it was probably towards the end of August. By the time we brought the boat back to Seattle after the ADAC ordeal, it was, we made it just by Christmas, I remember that. Did you make any money? I don't know, a few thousand dollars. Okay, so not... <laughs> wasn't much. Wasn't, wasn't what you had oh, your no. sights on or the dream. No, I didn't go buy that red Corvette that yeah. Harley talked about. Oh, yeah, yeah. He didn't either. He didn't I either. I know I didn't, yeah. Uh, 
So, uh, all right. So then, uh, I also know that you got into the Bristol Bay fishery. So, how long were you up there running around chasing crab before you? Okay, uh, that year in the Brittany, and after that, I went back on the Viking Queen. It was a pretty secure job there. Yeah. And uh, did the tendering circuit? The tendering circuit there was. Uh, it wasn't just a summer deal. It was we would leave Seattle in March, and we'd be done in September. We would do the you know the Sitka herring, Prince William, Cook Inlet, Togiak, Norton Sound, Cape Ramones off herring. It was Hence it was a circuit. five to six month job, and then get right into Bristol Bay salmon, mm -hmm. and then work our way down southeast, you know, for the pinks in August. Generally was what we did, mm -hmm. and then that following year I got a after the crash, uh, jobs were available. <laughs> the right. guys quit. I got a King Crab job in the Viking Queen that year. Okay. So that would have been 82. Well, you'd uh, spent several years tendering them for them, so you probably earned a spot. I guess I earned my spot there finally. But that was the year after the crash, and uh, the stocks hadn't exactly came back. It right. was, it was uh, more of the same. You have, um, any, you have any scary, scary experiences while you're running around doing all that? Not really. Really? Maybe I didn't know any better. It probably right. was that I didn't know about. <laughs> right. But uh, let's see, yeah, that king crab season on, oh, 82, 83, I think we went a paradise season on there. And uh, that was more of the same. <laughs> it might have made a couple thousand bucks. All right. You know, crab fishing was not a very profitable ordeal for those few years. So, uh -huh. uh, And all this time tendering at that time, you want to ask about Bristol Bay, I, it, it always appealed to me right from the start. Well, you were up there, right? I was up there watching it, you know, and seeing it. It, it. it just always appealed to me to go do that. I thought about getting into that, and uh, I got called into the office of Icicle that owned the Viking Queen, the fleet manager, and uh, asked me what my future plans were. And I said, well, I'm kind of out of dog, going to move on to this. And he goes, well, how would you like to take over running the Viking Queen? And I just about fell to the floor, you know. Any experience prior to that? Other than driving for the drunk captain back when you were no, younger. other than what I learned on the Viking Queen, the captain of the Viking Queen, Early Hansen was, he was the epitome of how you navigate. He was by the book, and you know I really picked his brain a lot. And there was a elderly engineer I spent on there, Nels Evans from Petersburg. So they're they're kind of mentors of mine. Erling was the navigating. You know, you rounded a point at. When the Hanson Handbook says 0.58 or 5 eighths of a mile, by God, that's what you did, and you went on your course, and you know everything was by the book. And, uh, you uh, know, it's funny when uh, when I was being asked to send any directions, he says, uh, "The mutual friend we have," he says, uh, "Just give him the coordinates; he'll be able to find it." <laughs> <laughs> that's about right. Yeah. He said, "He said you're a nav guy for sure," and you got that there then. That's I would say, yeah, yeah. I was always good with numbers. I was never. Uh, I mean, I did okay in school. I didn't excel, but I was always getting math and numbers. So I guess the navigating kind of caught on mm -hmm. and it appealed to me too. So you've seen being up in Bristol Bay from the tendering side. You know, you had every opportunity because those when you're on a tender, that's when you're talking to every skipper. That's when you, you I mean, you've got a ton of opportunities at least to have an yes, opportunity. Yes, you do. Yeah. To, well, that's to, how that originally that job in the Viking Queen came about. Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. it was on another tender, and you see these guys at the dock and get to know them a little bit and. How was that fishery different then than it is now? Bristol Bay? Yeah. Uh, Has it always been as chaotic? Oh yeah, it was even more chaotic. Now probably the biggest change, besides the boats getting bigger and faster and better, uh, the quality of the fish. Mm -hmm. I mean, the guys were 
you know, unloading every 12 hours, you know, knotted trailers, 2,000 pounds, and nobody had refrigeration. That was unheard of. No mm -hmm. Bristol Bay boats had RSW, so that's probably the biggest thing, the, the quality of the fish. That's coming out of there, yeah. yeah. I mean, obviously, like I said, the boats have gotten bigger and faster and hold more and this and that. And they're running RSW. And every, well, not everyone. It should be, it's getting that way, but about half the boats now. Mm -hmm. Still mm -hmm. a ways to go, but so the quality is greatly enhanced. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's probably the biggest the biggest change. Otherwise, it's still the same gun show. Pretty much. Just with faster boats. With faster boats. Oh, geez. Yeah. So it's faster got, so boats say, with bigger debt. So, so, all right, right. So they're hungry. Well, uh, speaking of bigger debt, you're building a new one right now. Yeah, I am, but uh, my last hurrah, I guess. Uh, <laughs> So let's let's get into your Bristol Bay fishery. You, you, you okay, well let, let's we'll get to that. We'll I didn't down. get into it then. I got into okay. running the Viking Queen. Okay. So. Oh right, right. So, so I did that for four years, and that was some quality sea time. You know, twenty-four year old kid running this boat for six months a year. Twenty-four year old. And then when I started there, yeah. Were you running it for crab too? No, or the boat the, the boat did not crab fish during those years. Okay. It was there was no reason to, mm -hmm. you know. So I got away from crabbing, and that was strictly my job. So I think I ran that for four years, four seasons of that. And I mean, it was great, but it was getting to be a job too. And one of my guys, it's one of our partners now, I'll never forget, he said to me, how many pounds of fish did you pack on here this summer? And it was always, you know, three, four, just astronomical amounts. Mm -hmm. He looks at me and he goes, you know, you can make a lot of boat payments doing that. So I was like, you know, okay, it's time to get into our own boat here. And, uh, how, my, how did you guys meet? Well, we knew them through fishing, but my number one partner, Roger, we, uh, we've been partners for 30-some years. But we knew each other before that. We had worked together at Icicle. He'd been my engineer on the Viking Queen one year. And uh, we just decided to got some harebrained idea to go down to the Gulf of Mexico and buy a rig tender. Okay. There was one that had been up here called the Cloverleaf, which is quite a bit older, but it had been up here for quite a year, few years, and said, you know, that might work, and uh, well, that's what we did. Went to Louisiana and uh, found a boat that was going to work. At the time, the two of us, it was a little over our head, you know, figure out how we are going to convert this vessel over, and so we, we brought in two other Petersburg fishermen that came in they were investors in the boat and they they knew their way around uh, the financial world and mm -hmm. getting into boat ownership so we, we bought that boat in 86 okay so that became my number one job then so it you're was, still young then I'm still young uh, yeah we were, I was I was 27 Roger was 26 yeah we were young kids uh -huh. and originally we were buying a tender you know no herring and salmon tendering but when you did the numbers on it well, this isn't going to quite work. How are we going to pay for this thing? You got to keep it working. You got to keep it working. So we got into the crab fish, and that was, you know, the boat was suitable for that. So we got into the Opelio. King Crab was our first in Opelio. And how did the how did the uh, permits work back then for? Oh, it was open access. So yeah, you just, yeah, you just, just sign up, up and with a boat and went and bought a, a permit card from the state and. Got some pots and, and off, off you went. Off you went. Off you went. So that's because it was just the, the the quota was just for the entire fleet. Yeah, there weren't that many boats involved. It wasn't overcapitalized yet. Mm -hmm. It was kind of the start of it. So anyhow, that you know, it was a little struggle at first. First few years didn't go rosy, but 
we finally caught on, got the right gear, and our first year of Helios, I remember this. We'd never, I'd never even seen an Apelio. Nobody on the boat, not one of myself or the five guys that are, had ever even seen an Apelio. Oh, goodness. <laughs> we are all new fishing, and that, but Apelio fishing was a new thing. So a little struggle at first year. We survived and gradually got better at that. And, and How many were you getting it. to pot that year? Oh, man, I don't even remember. We didn't have the right pot, so not, <laughs> <laughs> let's forget about the first year. The second year... Once we figured it out, got some more gear, rewebbed. We, we had bought a bunch of old pots, 50 bucks a piece from Icicle, and that's all they were worth. Mm-hmm. They all had tanner crab, you know, five and a half inch web, and the OP pot needed to have four and a half inch web, so they're all mismatched size, so the stack was, you know, it's kind of dangerous. <laughs> we got real, real good at webbing, rewebbing crab pots, too, oh. me and the crew. You know, How many pots did you have? I don't remember exactly, but it was, we probably were up to, you know, 250 by then. Oh, yeah. We bought, you know, 100 new ones and 100 old ones, bought another 50 here or there, and got them going. Eventually, you know, we upgraded and got, you know, we ended up with a real nice string of gear on there. But And, uh, anyhow, so yeah, the Opie and King Crab went well. And it was, this was in the mid-90s, 95, when I got into Bristol Bay. King Crab closed again a couple years the stocks were down I, I can't remember if it was one year or two years it closed and I didn't really want to go tender anymore <laughs> I said enough of that so got into the Bristol Bay just bought a permit and boat Roger was my partner he was an investor with me on that so you bought a boat then too bought a boat yeah and uh, yeah that was a learning experience it was well you uh, hadn't fished there before oh I'd never fished so there. never fished there before by a boat permit I'd I'm never, going no yeah I didn't know anything about uh-huh. it other than watching it it looked a lot easier from the tip so I, I asked you earlier about a, about a scary experience you cannot tell me that was not a scary experience to be, be running that boat for the first time in that kind of a chaotic fishery it was intimidating yeah <laughs> that first summer time in the Johnson Hill line and I didn't it was yeah it was, uh, it was it something else. It felt like a pretty small fry with all those guys running yes. around like they were. Yeah. However, that year, 95, was like, at that time, the biggest year ever in Bristol Bay. So we caught fish. Not even know, we didn't even know what we were doing, really. Still caught fish. But uh, after that, it kind of started to go downhill. Catch went down. The runs went down the tubes. The price was in the tubes. And... Uh, I think Bristol Bay permits went down at you know eighteen thousand for a while, and we had bought them for one hundred eighty-five or something like right. that. So, call it the salmon crisis years now. Mm-hmm. You know, poor runs and poor price, no money. Farm fish is taking over. We're doomed. Blah da da. So it was a, a doom and gloom for several years. Kind of started a, I don't know, early two thousands. Started to gradually come back a little bit, and the runs got a little better and. Price got a little better gradually and gradually, and, and until now, the last three years now have been kind of phenomenal seasons, three well, in a row. Well, this last season was a pretty kick-ass year. It was year. really big. That's probably why you're yeah. building that new boat. It has something to do with it, yeah. yeah. My, my last three years have been my three biggest years ever. I have a, row, so. I, it's, it's funny the way that you're explaining because when you, when you uh, converted your boat over to being able to do crab, you went up and had no idea what you were getting into really, right? And then the same thing, you go up and run it with Bristol Bay, too. <laughs> Well, I wouldn't say the crab. We had no idea. I mean, I knew how to crab. Oh, yeah, I had crab, crew, but, you know, I had some experience with that. But it's different getting in the driver's seat now. Go, if 
figure out how to catch them. Sure. <laughs> you, you sound to me like a guy, like myself, that when you buy something from Ikea, you just throw the directions aside and, and you're just going to figure it all out. Yeah, yeah, there's a lot of figuring, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So you've been, I'll tell you this, when you're figuring it out, and probably a lot of young captains in general, I can tell you, you do, you do a lot more work than you do later that's wasted. <laughs> you know, it, you know, as you get older, I guess maybe you uh, work smarter, not harder as you get older. Isn't that, isn't yeah. that supposed to go? Yeah. So you've been up to Bristol Bay how long now? So that was 95, so what is that, 20-some years, 23 mm -hmm. years, 22, 23 years? How do you find your turnover for crew? Oh, I really don't have that. I'm lucky I have my oldest son since he was 13. He's 23 mm -hmm. now, so he's gone. Uh, one of his good ice hockey buddies is gone. He's he's a senior in college now, so he's going one more year, so he's four or five years. My youngest son goes, and that'll be his second year. So I, I, I haven't had a problem with that. It's great. That's yeah. great. And I talked to other guys that do have, so I've been blessed. Yeah. yeah. Sounds like a family tradition going on. Family here. tradition. In the old days, I used to uh, like to hire crabbers. Yeah. To go with me, you know. And then you know, I got, like my nephew Willie went. Griffin went for several years. Mm -hmm. he, I think Griffin went for uh, five or six years, something like that. Yeah. Yeah. And then Willie did several. He did one year there with us. Okay. Yeah, he's right out of high school. So. Yeah, we heard we heard, oh, yeah, we yeah. heard that story. I heard that too, yeah. Yeah, he said yeah. Uh, you, you threw him a hell of a birthday party, it sounded like. Oh, hey. Yeah, yeah. Just a little get back to work. His 18th birthday, yeah. Oh, yeah. He was just a kid. But tell you what, he's, uh, he's become quite the Bristol Bay fisherman now. He really, it's, it really sounds like yeah, it. Yeah, no, he's really, especially now that he's uh, stepped into that bigger boat. He, he paid a lot of that, uh, a lot of that experience and at least the work ethic to you. Uh, oh, we can't say ass, yeah. Yeah. Almost everybody I talk to, the ones that get beat up the most, turn, tend out, you know, turn out to be the ones who yeah. really get their shit wired tight, you know. Willie always had one thing going for him. Well, he is a hard worker. But he's big and strong. Yeah, yeah. He yeah, is. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, Willie, pull on this, and it moves. <laughs> <laughs> I'll get out of the way. <laughs> do, you, do you got any uh, any stories to share, for, share with us about your fishing days? Uh Man, there's just a million stories, really, you know, after 40 years of it. Good memories, bad memories, you know, years of, I wouldn't say bad memories, but, you know, years years where there wasn't a lot of return. But uh, there's some years where there was good return, you know. Those, I missed the king crab boom, but we kind of got in on that opelio boom in the early 90s and, and did well. I had some real good king crab seasons before, uh, before the rationalization. Those were, uh, well, the king crab days were, were definitely the days when guys were paying off boats in one year. Uh, how did the opelio boom go for well, you? Well, we didn't pay it off in one year, but, you know, uh, you know, a few years, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And still, at that time, you were young. I mean, not that you're old now, but. <laughs> yeah, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, you were young. It was, it, wasn't, it was nothing to go do a 30-hour gear haul instead. But, but you came from a family of, of no fishermen. No. No, and just kind of just running around these streets right here. In Pretty Valley. much, yeah, yeah. And then here you are, and your kids are doing it. Yeah. Do you, do you see them continuing we, to do it? Uh, the old or the youngest one says no. He will now for the summer. You know, he's he's going to start college next year, so I'm sure we got a few years at him. The oldest one, he's uh, he see what he does after college. You know, he's in his he's a his last half of his junior year. And uh, depending on what he does after that, I know he'd like to. He's mentioned he'd like to continue Bristol Bay, and he's he is a natural fisherman. Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. he, he, that's what he does in his spare time. He's out sport fishing and that kind of stuff. And he's real good at that. So. Right. 
He has had a little experience. He he did take over running the Bristol Bay boat a couple summers ago. Oh, for uh, I think eight days or something. Did real well. Excellent. So sometime in that in that between ninety, you said ninety five when you went mm-hmm. up, and and today, uh, that's that that's your summer gig. That's my summer gig. Yeah. And I know that you you purchased another boat. Uh, well, the Cornelia Marie, oh, oh. yeah, uh, three years ago, we're investors in that. Uh, we had, it just kind of came along. We knew Casey and kind of ran across us, and we thought about sending the Deception back out crabbing, putting the quota on there, and and the Cornelia Marie deal came along, and that's just, uh, I mean, that's a phenomenal boat. I, I I haven't spent a lot of ocean time on it, but what I have, it's it's an incredible machine. What about the Deception? When did you get that, and how did that? We got that in '86 uh, mm-hmm. in uh, Homer, Louisiana. We're near there, and uh, yeah, it's the Deception is a great tender, shallow draft for Bristol Bay. Isn't she sitting right over it's, here? It's down in Lake Union, oh, further okay. down the uh, East Lake side there. It's an okay crabber. It's a shallow draft mud boat. wasn't really built for that. It, it handles the weather, but nothing like the Cornelia. It doesn't carry as much. Can't carry the gear doesn't ride in the weather like that Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and you crapped with the deception oh many years yeah yeah Yeah, Yeah. from 87 was the first year that boat went crabbing till till right till rationalization was Mm -hmm. that 05 i guess so you were involved right before that rationalization oh yeah you get to get to captain's quota i did and i took a couple years off and my kids were younger and they were qualifying years so yeah man hindsight right we had a guy another guy run the boat for a while and Qualifying years weren't big ones, so. Oh man. You know, it's it, it, uh, sad story. Yeah. I could do something over again. It would probably be to have stayed on there. Stayed on there. You know, hindsight's twenty twenty. There. Isn't it? Not though? that we didn't get quota, but you know, it would have been it would have been more. Right. There, there was a few qualifying years, or not big. We're non-qualifying years, but right before rationalization, the last couple of years, we had a couple of really really big king crab seasons. That I mean. You know, like top of the fleet kind of season, and they weren't qualifying years. Can you describe? Because uh, some of our listeners, uh, don't, you know, they, they see it that it is a quota per boat now. Um, can you describe how that quota came about the boat? We're talking about it right now, but um, how many years did you have to fish? How was that based upon for that boat to get the quota? Oh man, the exact amount of years I don't remember, but it was qualifying years. It must have been like in the late '90s, early 2000s. You, know, you had to participate, and and you got quota points by uh, you know what your catch average compared to the rest of the boat. So some guys got m- more points than other guys. The more you, you know, caught, the more points you got. Yeah, exactly. Yes. Did you know that they were doing it? I mean, did you know that? Okay, this is the qualifying year, or or you didn't really. We didn't. We didn't. You know, maybe it's something we should have. They said it was there, but they you said it didn't was there. Really. Yeah, it was a frustrating process. That whole political process during all that time we'd go to these meetings and it was really frustrating you just mm-hmm. like hmm what's going to come of this and then just all of a sudden at the end they go okay these are your points and this is what you get basically yes yeah yeah and, yeah and then so at that point there was a lot of boats fishing up there right oh there? i think the last king crab there was like 260 or something yeah. but it was too many yeah and then what happened directly after the rationalization oh it went down to I don't know the immediate year after, but now it's down to like 60, 70 boats, which is enough. So what happened to those other quotas? <laughs> well, the quotas are getting fished on other boats. Like, sure. you know, we fish outside quota on the Cornelia Marine. That's 
that's what's happening. Mm-hmm. It, it, it's kind of gone from, you know, when I first started crab fishing, there was a lot of owner-operators. Mm-hmm. That's what it was, and it was an occupation, whereas now it's it's a business of quota holders, and it is what it is. Yeah, yeah. Whether it, it's, you whether you it's were running around up there when some of the true legends of our industry were still running around up there, thumping around. Oh, yeah. When I first started, they were, you know, Bart Eaton and guys like that guy. Chris Paulson was still running crab boats. Those are some of the real legends of the t- that oh, I knew of. Them. Yeah, yeah. Oh, Bart, I, I can never say enough about him. Just Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He talks about that one video he's on, the pots of gold. How, uh, he met some crab captain in the dock in Kodiak, and he goes, yeah, you, you got to realize this is like us meeting Willie Mays or something. I said, I, mean, I, I don't know if I told him this, but I think I did, whether he caught it. Bart, you gotta understand when guys like me met you, you were like us meeting Willie Mays. Yeah, you were the the legend at that time. Yeah, he kind of still is. I oh, mean, he still, still got is, that. Yeah, yeah. That, that kick about him, you know. I mean, what a storyteller! <laughs> I'm telling you, I'm telling you, we really want to get him on here. You know? Oh, you should. Yeah, yeah. yeah we went and visited him. We we're in Hawaii, and I went and visited the McManuses, Casey's parents, and they took us up to visit Bart. You know, and I knew, you know, I, of course I knew who he was. I was surprised he, he didn't remember my name, but he remembered me. Viking Queen, I know you. <laughs> so that was like remembering me. But anyway, my kids, two youngest kids were there. They were high, they were teenagers in high school. And here's this old fart, you know, 65, however old he was. And he's talking, you know, for about a half hour. We left there, and my kids said, who is that guy? He is hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> he's got he's got the stories. He does. I, yeah. mean, I guess it's just part about being In a way, there. he's able to tell them, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Definitely, definitely well versed. Yes, yeah. So, what do you see that? Uh, what do you see that fishing's given you? Oh, it's <laughs> all I know. So I don't know how to compare it to anything. Uh, uh, it's been good. If I had to do it all over again, I'd probably a few changes, but I would stick with this career. It's been good. It's exciting. Uh, you know, there's a lot of times you, you curse your chosen profession when you're out there in a big storm and, a lot of, and hauling empty pots and it's nasty out and what am I doing here? But, uh, you know, a lot of time off too. I really enjoy that. And yeah. You know, when you're home, you don't have to get up and go to work every day. You can really engage with you can, Yeah, yeah. And, you know, it's, I guess the challenge of it, uh, like I said, I don't really have other jobs to compare it to, but what I do know a lot of jobs I'm sure you go to work and at the end of the day you don't know if you had, did a did I do a good job today I don't know I mean you go to you know take a Bristol Bay day we just had an eight hour opening you had to unload I know whether I had a good day <laughs> I got three everyone's got eight bags I only got three I didn't do very good you today you get a little ticket to yeah tell I got a ticket to tell, so. <laughs> <laughs> and you have good days you have you know you have bad days and you have in between days <laughs> so this last year the, the entire year was pretty good right Oh yeah, yeah. D- typical Bristol Bay, it goes in spurts. Mm-hmm. You know, you catch you know ninety percent of your fish in a you know handful of tides. It seems like you have some really big tides that last for a day or two or whatever, and then you might get two or three days where wow, it's a run over and what's going on, and then a little weather picks up and wow, we're filling the boat up again. So right, right. You know, you just well, they kind of ebb and flow, right? They ebb and flow. Yeah, they ebb and flow. So where do you go from here? Uh, you mean today? Or? No, I mean uh, in general with your career. I mean, uh, obviously you've, you've invested now in the Crane Marie, and you're over here working on a boat right now. 
I, I, I was delivering nets right okay. across here to uh, one of the cannery tenders, uh, the Bristol Bay nets. Mm -hmm. uh, sign of spring, you send your Bristol Bay gear send up. Send your gear up, yeah. And uh, I mean, I'll do the Bristol Bay thing, and uh, the last few summers I filled in for Casey, go run the Cornelia for a couple weeks of tendering mm -hmm. after the bay. And When's your new boat going to be done? Uh, within a month. Oh, yeah. so you're going to be ready for the bay. Oh, yeah, yeah, no, it's... it's. And when did you start that process? They started cutting aluminum in uh, September. It's pretty quick. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. It's pretty quick. No, it's a real reputable yard in uh, LaConnor, Washington. It's called Maverick Marine. And, mm -hmm. and, um, your, and your new boat's going to be called? The Miss Magic. And, and what is she powered with? Because I know you're just putting some big... Well, I... <laughs> Actually, getting the budget was what they call the budget model boat, if you can believe that. Uh -huh. it's not a budget price, but it's going to have a nine liter uh, John Deere, 560 horse John Deere. Mm -hmm. State of the art electronic John Deere. So, cross, yeah. cross my fingers. Uh, How many guys are you going to Three, four guys on there? There'll be myself and three others. Three yeah. Oh. That's what you can There's There's four bunks. So. Oh. Oh. Yeah. And I found. It was years back in that salmon crisis years I described where uh, it was hard to get guys, too. And I went a couple years with one guy. Just me you and one guy? Oh, me and one guy. What were you doing, running back and helping him pick? Oh, yeah. Well, there was a couple of them, the Greenhorns. No, they'd help me pick. <laughs> it was, it was all, uh, you know, I got wiser. Now I have uh, three deckhands instead of one. And, mm -hmm. uh, do, you yeah. find, do you find it's still hard to get guys? or? I don't have a problem. But I talk to other guys well, yeah, too. It's one of their main hindrances. Yeah, I got family guys, and and no, I maybe I've been lucky that way, but mm -hmm. I've I've always been able to get crews. Not always great, but for the most part, <laughs> pretty do good. You, do you see, uh, or do you have any advice for for guys looking to to get in the industry? Uh, why? Yeah, we just hired a new guy on the deception, young kid. He just came out of diesel school. Go learn, learn to do something. You know, diesel school is going to argue. Yeah, he's already learned. I mean, I'm sure he's not a diesel mechanic, you know, but uh, you know, he's an interest in it. And, and like the captain says, hey, I'm finally going to have a crew that's actually seen a tool. Oh, right. So that yeah. kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. uh, even if you don't, that doesn't mean you can't do it. You got to work hard, listen to the captain, and you know, trying to be aware, be aware of your surroundings. There's always something. Um, you know, and little things matter. Mm -hmm. you know, yeah. You're on a boat. If you can't do the little projects, right? How are you gonna do a big project? Right? Devils in the details. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, pay attention. If you don't know something, don't go open that valve if you don't know what it is. <laughs> ask the engineer, even if he chews you out. You still ask him. <laughs> something bad could happen. Something bad could happen. Yeah. And and so in, in all these years, you haven't had anything bad happen like that. Well, knock on wood. No, we've we've had a few close calls. Uh, I had a fire one time. It was a little scary on the on the deception out crab fishing. Uh, hydraulic fire in the engine room. That was a little scary. Yeah, a fire on a boat would definitely yeah be. gets your attention. Yeah, all the water in the world. But yeah, 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 all the water in the world, but it's not putting that oil fire out. Yeah, no. So fortunately, I had a couple of pretty savvy crew members that did. Mm -hmm. You know, I was in the pilot. I can't even say that I actually saw the fire. Smelled it. I, yeah, I was in the wheelhouse talking to uh, my radio group buddy on the radio. Hey, we're on fire. Hell, you know, uh, what, about what year was that then? Because safety's changed so much over the years. You said they, they That would have been in the, in the early 90s, I guess, mm -hmm. somewhere in there, 90, 91. And back then, were they going to all these uh, fire classes and 
not like today no we'd probably you know had classes but nothing like today no, no. today out like it just about everybody that was me. probably about the time where you know monthly uh um safety inspections were you know starting to get to be commonplace mm -hmm. maybe not quite around that time but safety has changed a lot significantly yes yeah i'd say so the rationalization's made it a lot safer for one Sure, when you don't got the derby style, right? You don't have the derby style, and the boats that are going now are primarily, you know, we've talked about how many boats were going, you know, there's you know, 260 boats fishing king crab at one time, there's probably 130 of them that probably had no business being out in the Bering Sea, so that, that's made it safe. Yeah, they, they brought up a lot of a lot of boats from, from the Gulf and even from the East Coast to try to get on that boom that exactly really had, yeah they were yeah. not built for that water up they there. were not built for that water no yeah we had uh when we had casey uh with us he actually mentioned how strong the water is you know that uh yeah these boats may look big at the dock here in seattle but get them out there yeah when you're out in the southeast uh 100 which i've seen that a couple times in the bering sea and you know just uh, waves bigger than you even want to imagine I mean, how big i don't know they're big yeah, yeah. I think he worded it. He, he actually put it pretty well. He said, "There's a reason they use water to cut diamonds." <laughs> yeah. It's powerful. Yeah, yeah. So at this point, normally we would uh, read a letter from someone that wrote in, but we don't have any letters. No that letters. Wrote in okay. Today. So, uh, Kari, I can't uh, thank you enough for coming and, and sending well, my us pleasure. Today. Yeah. Do you have anything that you want to? You feel like you need to tell us? Uh, no, not really. Not really. But you know, let's go back to a young guy. Uh, it's not for everybody, for starters. You know, you get out in a boat and you either you either like it or you don't, or you catch on or you don't. There's kind of a uh, common sense that maybe you have or maybe you don't. You won't really know till you're there, really. I guess. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. But once it gets into your blood, be careful. Be careful. It'll ruin you for a real job. I know it's, that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's funny you say it like that because. A lot of guys are like, oh, I can handle a boat because I've been out uh, jet skiing, you know, or, <laughs> yeah. or I, I go, you know, uh, a friend of mine has a 22-foot boat and we used, to go, we used to go out for the day, you know, and that kind of thing. But, I mean, it's, it's real work out there. It's, it's real work out there, yeah, and the conditions are real. And, and the platform is moving all the time. Oh, it's like, you know, it's like being inside a paint can that's sitting in a paint mixer getting stirred. <laughs> what a, how well put how well put especially on a Bristol Bay boat it's really that and, and this for months it goes on it's not just well, for an afternoon <laughs> well a Bristol Bay boat I mean uh, let's describe that again Willie went into it a little bit but paint the picture of these because they're small boats the 32 feet yeah and that's the maximum that's right? the maximum they can be state long they, they cannot be they bigger cannot be that. bigger so 32 feet long how wide are they uh, the widest one I think I saw last year got widened was like 21 feet or something oh crazy Lord. like that. But uh, my new one's going to be 13 and a half. That's mm -hmm. probably about the average. There's bigger, bigger, wider ones. 13 and a half by 32. You're a bobber. You're a bobber. You, you, yeah. You're getting an even six or seven foot season. You're a. You're, you're oh, really, six. Yeah. You're, you're really, really tossing. Good. Yeah. Hard. They have to be able to take that because there are times. Yeah. You know, Bristol Bay. You're you know near shore, but. You know, there's so much current. That's one. I was gonna say that's one of the fastest yeah. currents. You got current going out and tide coming in, and you know, go around the Ecuck rips or something, and yeah, yeah. hang on. Yeah. So any any last minute? Uh, uh, not that I can think of. No. 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 
Well, I appreciate you taking the time to come out and talk to us today. Well, thanks for having me in the beautiful vessel you have here. Thanks. Nice location. Yeah, well, you can't really beat the view. Yeah, waterfront is uh, nice. Well, it's probably changed a lot from when you uh, grew up around here, for sure. I mean, Marco was sitting there. Yeah, that has changed. There was a lot more industry in Ballard. You know, there was shake mills and, you know, the old recycle steel mill and, you know, a hydraulic shop and Marco and this or that. And, mm -hmm. you know, it's, as we all know, a lot of apartments and condos. And Boy, they're going up. They're Boy, going they're going up. up. Yeah. Okay, well, uh, again, thank you. Um, guys, this has been uh, another up, uh, another installment of Galley Stories, Stories of the Bering Sea and Beyond. And uh, if you can contact us, write in those letters. We'd love to hear from you. If you have any questions for Kari or any of our previous captains that have visited us, at mark at galleystories.net. And we will see you next time.